HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by TD Bank, a proud supporter of local businesses like Adeo & Sons Bakery, a third-generation family-owned business in the Bronx. You know, sometimes people are saying, oh, so I guess you've had nothing to do since there's no nightlife <laughs> in New York, but... It's really been quite the contrary. It's been a, a high-paced effort and relentless to make sure that this industry gets stabilized as soon as possible. We anticipate a really magical summer, but we're also working to make sure that the industry is getting the support they need to open up safely and in a sustainable way. Welcome to The Big Food Question, a podcast exploring the most urgent questions from a food industry in crisis. This episode was produced in partnership with our friends at TD Bank. I'm Kat Johnson, HRN's Communications Director. Today we're asking, what will it take to bring back New York City's nightlife industry? As businesses that heavily rely on people being able to gather indoors, COVID-19 presented overwhelming challenges for bars, clubs, and restaurants. In New York, many turned to the Office of Nightlife for guidance and support. This office is fairly new and largely unfamiliar to folks outside of the city's nightlife industry, so let me give you a little bit of background on it. The Office of Nightlife is part of the Mayor's Office of Media and Entertainment, and it's a liaison between New York City's nightlife industry and all other city agencies. The Office of Nightlife's purpose is to help establish and coordinate systemic solutions to support the nighttime economy, culture, and quality of life. It was established in 2017 by Mayor Bill de Blasio, and the bill that led to the Office of Nightlife was originally sponsored by then-City Council member Rafael Espinal. Well, I created the office um, back in September, uh, and it was my way of finding and striking a balance, a way where city and local businesses can work together to understand the importance of the, the cultural capital that these venues produce for our city. In March of 2018, Rafael joined Jimmy Carbone on Beer Sessions Radio. For the past, I would say, 10, 15 years, we have seen a lot of our favorite venues and places close their doors. 
And I saw it as an emergency. I thought it was time that we stepped up and did something because these are the same venues that produce that capital that really attract everyone to want to live and move here, right? The reason artists live here, the reason entrepreneurs move here is because New York City is known as a city that never sleeps, the city of opportunity. And the city wasn't really playing that role and giving them the helping hand to keep their doors open. Instead, they were slamming them with fines and finding reasons to declare them a nuisance instead of seeing them as a value to the communities. The next big news for the Office of Nightlife was when Ariel Palitz was appointed as its first ever senior executive director in March 2018. I am a native New Yorker. I grew up going out. I was a promoter for many years in clubs like The Tunnel and Limelight. And I ultimately wound up owning and operating my own club called Sutra Lounge in the East Village for 10 years. And simultaneously, I was on the local community board on the liquor licensing committee for over six years. And so... Even after I sold my club, I started a consulting company with commercial real estate services to help navigate people in and out of the industry. So when the um, mayor's office created this position, um, the job description really read like my biography. And um, after many uh, interviews, I wound up landing the job. One of the first things that the Office of Nightlife did in Ariel's tenure was to publish a groundbreaking 2019 report on the state of the industry. It found that New York City's nightlife supports nearly 300,000 jobs, over $13 billion in employee compensation, and over $35 billion in total economic output. For Ariel, this really underscored the need for the Office of Nightlife. I think what was missing was having that centralized location that sort of brought everything, all of the resources, all of the agencies together under one umbrella that uh, somebody from within the hospitality industry, and by the way, that includes owners, workers, performers, patrons, as well as residents. It's the entire ecosystem of the industry. And we know there are so many regulations and so many moving parts and so many expectations and questions. Almost exactly two years after Ariel was appointed, COVID hit New York City in March of 2020 the nightlife industry was one that was impacted most severely. I think like everyone else in government and in their personal lives, everybody sort of just stopped in their tracks and went into emergency management mode. And we all as an administration came together to figure out how we were going to keep not just this industry, but the entire city on its feet, really. And so what was really great was that the Office of Nightlife was already quite firmly established about two years in. We had the relationships, we had um, the foundation of creating this new office in place so that we were able to serve our purpose, which was 
and is to make sure that this industry's voice and needs has a seat at the table where decisions are being made. Very quickly, the first thing we did was conduct a survey within the first week um, or two of the pandemic, which showed that the loss of wages and business was up to 94%. It was a total halt of business, and it really gave us a clear picture of how bad it was. And then we got into gear to uh, not only do outreach to find out what the industry needed, but started hosting uh, multiple town calls. We had over 12 town calls, Zoom sessions with owners, performers, and workers, um, up to 1,200 people on a call, uh, making sure that they had the information, got their questions answered. We brought in different agencies, giving them the guidance and the guidelines they needed. We did neighborhood walkthroughs, uh, doing case studies, working with individual venues one-on-one. We worked with the city to help stand up the open restaurants program to give a lifeline to the restaurants in addition to the takeout and delivery that they were doing. Created what to expect when you're being inspected checklists, uh, helped stand-up programs for free application assistance for the state and federal grant programs. Right now we're standing up a mental health initiative, started a mediation program for uh, venues and their residents that had high complaints because of sound outside their venues and inside their venues. So we've been really busy When we come back, we'll hear how New York City's nightlife industry is faring now and what's next for Ariel Palitz and the Office of Nightlife. This episode is brought to you by TD Bank, a proud supporter of local businesses like mine, Adeo and Sons Bakery. We've been a family-owned business for three generations. Our customers have always been drawn to our best-selling traditional Italian bread products like our pane di casa, pizza dough, breadsticks, biscuits, and more. You can find us on the historic Arthur Avenue in the Bronx's Little Italy. We also deliver to restaurants and other commercial businesses in the New York metro area. Learn more about us at adeobakers.com. Welcome back to The Big Food Question. We're back with Ariel Palitz, the Senior Executive Director of New York City's Office of Nightlife. First of all, you know, it's obviously really encouraging to see the progress that the city is making and that the industry is making. But we also know that many of the clubs and live music venues are still not even open to this day, partially because the capacity didn't make it uh, a viable choice to open up until about now. People are still waiting for the grant money. There's a tremendous issue in regards to uh, hiring workforce that is qualified. Um, I think it's a national problem, but it's a very big problem here in the city. And at the same time, we know that people are really just so relieved and so ready to get out and start socializing again. And, um, you know, also just working on what 
we've always done, which is to be that central point of contact and to help navigate people and answer their questions and making sure that they know what resources are available to them. Many New Yorkers will tell you that one of the so-called silver linings of the lockdown era of COVID was the proliferation of outdoor dining spots. Ariel relayed some good news for businesses and diners who hope that the emerging cafe culture will stick around. It's going to be permanent. (laughs) The mayor has already declared that outdoor um, open restaurants is a permanent feature of New York City. Uh, City Council supports it. And while we are currently um, still in the emergency executive order, which stood this program up nearly overnight that allowed licensed establishments to go through a self-certification process and to get permitted in 10 minutes, which is unprecedented. The city is now in the process of working out the details of how the city is going to stand this up permanently, and um, that will be released very soon. So that's definitely the great news. Obviously, what we're hearing is, for the most part, people love it. They love the cafe culture that it's brought to the city, somewhat of a European flair. A lot of the concerns historically about giving New York licensed establishments too many outdoor uh, dining licenses or cafe licenses that it might be you know, more chaotic. It's actually been the opposite. What we found is now people have a place to sit and um, it's actually quite beautiful and civilized. On the other hand, making outdoor dining permanent is a big change for New York and there will almost certainly be issues that arise. This is a very dense city that is mixed with commercial and residents. And so quality of life is now, especially for our office, a top priority to make sure that the industry and the residents can coexist as a community. And we're doing that in multiple ways. Uh, Our office pre-pandemic piloted a a mediation program to help with residential complaints against licensed businesses. We know that a lot of the enforcement against venues happens because they're complaint driven. And many of them are, they don't want to necessarily have a place shut down, just turn it down. But we do have a 311 call system that is automated and sometimes can delay uh, the immediate relief people need when they are having sound issues from the bar downstairs, whether it be from now outside the establishments in the streets or inside. So our office um, recently, actually during the pandemic, partnered with Oath, which is the Office of Arbitration, Trials and Hearings. They have a Center for Creative Conflict Resolution. And we create, we launched the program called MEND, NYC, which stands for Mediating Establishment Neighborhood Disputes. And we're actually changing the way people complain about the bar downstairs. Um, rather than calling a anonymous call system, uh, you can reach out to MEND and we can create a common ground for communication and compromise. And um, we think that that's really what it's going to take to help make this outdoor dining program really thrive and work for everyone. While the Office of Nightlife is only a few years old, it has already demonstrated its impact on New York City. 
even though it has been an extremely dark and painful and stressful time for everyone, especially within the hospitality industry, who makes their living off of social gathering. And uh, COVID hit that right in the heart. I think what this pandemic has shown is that nightlife and hospitality are not an, a luxury, that they're essential to who we are and how we live and to our mental health and to our well-being and to our um, the health of our economy and jobs and culture. And I think maybe it wasn't taken as seriously as it should have been historically. I think the creation of the Office of Nightlife in and of itself was the first step in um, honoring and recognizing what this industry contributes. But the pandemic solidified that it is essential to who we are and not only deserves, but needs dedicated support um, services and to be elevated like any other industry here um, in New York City, Broadway, sports, Wall Street, we're an integral part and a huge economic engine. And from within the administration, that was also recognized as well. Like I said, this small office, this interesting experiment um, was brought in as an equal and essential partner at the table where the decisions were being made to make sure that this industry did not fall through the cracks. If you'd like to learn more about New York City's Office of Nightlife, you can visit nyc.gov and search for Office of Nightlife. You can also find their first ever Office of Nightlife report. It is a comprehensive 162-page report that offers a record of the activities of the first three years of this new office, including its response to COVID-19, as well as almost two dozen recommendations for the future. We will also link to it in the show notes. Huge thanks to Ariel Palitz for taking the time to talk to me about her work supporting New York City's nightlife industry. Don't forget to subscribe to The Big Food Question wherever you get your podcasts. Check back often as we address critical questions for eaters, operators, and workers across food topics and business sectors. If you have questions you'd like the show to answer, you can email us at question at heritageradionetwork.org. The Big Food Question is produced by Katie Mosman-Wadler, Hannah Forden, Dylan Hoyer, Matt Patterson, Luke Griffin, and me, Kat Johnson. Our audio engineer for this episode was Brandon Futernick. Our theme song was composed by Breakmaster Cylinder. The Big Food Question is powered by Simplecast. The content of this series is provided for general information only and should not be considered professional advice. You should obtain professional or specialist advice before taking or refraining from any action on the basis of this content. This project is funded in part by a Humanities New York CARES grant with support from the National Endowment for the Humanities and the Federal CARES Act. This program is also supported in part by public funds from the New York City Department of Cultural Affairs in partnership with City Council. The Big Food Question is a production of Heritage Radio Network, the world's pioneer food radio station. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org and follow us at heritage underscore radio.